0: We're so glad that you're with us today. If we haven't met, I'm Sam, one of the pastors here. And uh, can we just make a big old noise for those who are joining us live or at a later time online? Come on. Let them hear ya. We know you're with us as well. We're so glad that you are joining us. We are in a year-long journey called Life as Jesus Meant It to Be. I wanted to make this series, as a team, we wanted to make this series as like raw as we could to think about if we were just talking from someone who uh, is, ne- doesn't have any faith at all or has been walking uh, with Jesus a long time, we wanted to re-zoom in on what would it look like to truly walk in the way that Jesus had meant life to live. We have summed down the idea of Christianity from sitting in seats at best once a week. And what we want to do in, in this whole year is to zoom out, and then zoom back in to say, how did Jesus really invite us to live in a way that would actually make life thrive? So we kicked off the series in January, which is traditionally all about how do I gotta make changes in life to say, let's recalibrate to this powerful idea that Jesus invites us into called Sabbath. So what we've been learning is there is a rhythm of Sabbath. We've been learning a fair amount of things Whether you've been in church or not, sometimes we think about Sabbath as like uh, Sunday, or in Hebrew thinking, Saturday, and we typically highlight the ideas of stopping and resting. You don't have to raise a hand, but I'm guessing if you had to fill out a uh, multiple guess question on what is Sabbath, I bet you would hover on the stopping and resting side. But last week, we also discovered there's another element to Sabbath that it's actually a a day of delight. It's called to be a happy day, a day where we embrace who God is and the good things that God had made. And this can be a truly good thing. As tempted as we are to think of Sabbath as just kale, like something I have to eat in order to be healthy, it can also be viewed, like we talked about last week, cookies, it's good, it's a delight, and give me another one, right? Right? But what we're going to do is we're going to land the plane today talking about how Sabbath is also to be called a worship day. A day for us to calibrate our hearts, is the phraseology I'm using, back to God. In order to get there today, I want to bring us to a story in the book of Exodus, that is the second book of the Hebrew Bible. In Genesis, we learned this mandate, an invitation to Sabbath, to stop and rest and delight. But I bring us to an Exodus text because it helps tell us the story. You see, this Exodus text is about the people of God. And for 400 years, they were under slavery in Egypt under, their, under Pharaoh. And what you need to know about that that is so significant is 400 years, generation after generation after generation, that was defined by one word, work, or dare I say a different word, produce. The only time that the Egyptians would really want them to rest is to recharge their batteries so that they could work again. So, for 400 years, year after year, day after day, generation after generation, this was their formation. And Jesus comes, uh, Yahweh comes, God comes, and He invites them into a new way. Through uh, crazy miracles, He ushers them out of Egypt, and now they're traversing to the place that God had promised. And in the middle, they're in the desert. And they look to the sky and quite literally say, God, what gives? We don't have anything to eat. And so God begins to create a new rhythm for them. Every morning and night, he he provided food for them. He could have, of course, done it a million different ways, but he chose to make them a rhythm, a rhythm that would realign their hearts every single day to trusting him. Because every morning they would wake up, and see that God had provided manna. And every evening, they would go out their door and see that God had provided quail. It was a rhythmic kind of way of what I'm calling recalibrating their hearts day after day with God. Now, one of the tricks of this was to create not only a daily rhythm, but a weekly rhythm, was they were to to gather twice as much on the sixth day so they didn't have to on the seventh. And what we're going to see is the hearts of those people many, many hundreds and thousands of years ago might share a few things with our hearts that are similar. So I want to take us to Exodus now at this time. He said to them, this is what the Lord, he being Moses, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be the day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, that is, to the Sabbath day, as Moses commanded, and he did not stink, the food did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. And then, nevertheless, some. Some. Nevertheless, some. There were some amongst their community, as we'll discover, that chose to do it a different way. And although we can think of this as something that was written and lived many, many moons ago, I wonder if we could also say, nevertheless, some Americans violated the invitation for a Sabbath and our proclivities to keep producing and working. I wonder if we've been formed for all of our lives in a different way, trying to point us to a different value system. Nevertheless, some of us have probably fallen into a similar rhythm, but the verse goes on to say, nevertheless, some people went out on the Sabbath day to gather it, but they found none. I don't know if you found this to be true, but our rhythm of work isn't working. Jeremy said it, unfortunately, he should get credit, but he mentioned it as we've been discussing this series together. What an interesting thought. We all know that stress and anxiety are 100% on the rise. We know that uh, the Americans in particular are even more broken than the rest of the world, it seems, in our rhythm with work. We've talked about that in this series. One stat I found interesting is just south of 50% of all Americans leave vacation on the table every single year. And if you think I'm pointing fingers, they're coming right back. One of your pastors is just diligently here in the office giving the church's vacation. Might as well just light it up. Maybe that's you. And I would submit this question, why? We do have to move on today, but as I've been processing and thinking about my own rhythms and my family rhythms when it comes to Sabbath, stopping, resting, delighting, and worshiping, the first reaction I think Americans say is, is I'm busy, like I don't have time to stop. But I wonder what's behind that? What's truly behind our knee-jerk reaction to continue to put our hands to things, to stay overly busy, to not stop and rest. I certainly don't want to oversimplify it for you, but I wonder if first and foremost, our tendency to not Sabbath is just based on the culture that we're been wired in. The people around us are going nuts. And so it feels like we get on the treadmill in life and just go. In the last few weeks, I was on the, the treadmill. Um, you may or may not be able to tell, but whatever. Um, someone last service literally said to me, you know, your shoulders and your chest are looking okay, but your, your legs are looking a little skinny. I mean, <laughs> who says that to somebody? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> so I'm on the treadmill and I have strength training days, and then we have some cardio days that are just meant to just get the heart pumping. So I, I felt no pressure to like really crush it on my cardio days. I'm just getting out there and keeping with it, right? Just burning some calories, you get it. So I just put the treadmill on 5.5. It's pretty low key for me, and I'm just watching something on my iPad until my eyes notice the gal next to me on the treadmill. She was on 5.8. Ding, ding, ding. And I don't know what was in her mind, but all of a sudden she's at 6.2. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I'm like, dink, ding. If she's at 6.2, I got to be at like 6.3, 6.4. I'm not going to let this gal beat me. I maxed out when she was at seven and I went to 7.2. I said, enough's enough when she went to 7.3. Here I am on my just like chill cardio day and I am somehow comparing myself and my pace to this person I don't know to my left. And I wonder if we do this subconsciously where we just kind of notice people's rhythms and we just get kind of used to the phrase, I'm so busy, and it feels like a new norm. And without even realizing it, I think we can be on the treadmill, tink, 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 tink. And all of a sudden going at a pace that we were not designed for. And I'm literally, it's a funny, silly story on the treadmill, but what is it on the inside of me that causes me to have to race someone I don't know for a trophy I'm not going to get? And I wonder what it is with us that we set a pace in our weekly rhythms, chasing the subconscious need to perform and do better. Maybe it's because the system depends on you and you're a mom or you're a dad or you're a grandparent or or you're a single and you, you think about your time off as your time to help other people or support your family or what have you and you're like, I can't stop rest and delight because The world is still moving, Sam, and I totally get that. But what is the why? What's behind your resistance to Sabbath? I don't like this. I was going to say I don't like to step on toes. Actually, I don't mind it. Uh, I might step on your toes here, um, but hang with me. It's not because I don't like you. Think of it this way. Sometimes we work to earn so we can buy. Super normal progression, yes? Okay, you don't have to answer. You're with me, I'm trusting. And I wonder if we've accidentally been told what we need to buy and have and how big and how nice fill in the blank is, which means we need this, which means we have to earn this, which means we have to work this much. It's just one example of our just knee-jerk reaction to subconsciously be on the treadmill. Ting, 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 ting. Trying to catch up and stay ahead of who? I only say that because of my own proclivities. I don't want to oversimplify the answer, but I think when it comes to resistance of Sabbath, I think at the core of practicing Sabbath is trust. Will the family be okay? Will we continue to have enough? Will everything continue to get done? I don't know what it might be for you, but I think if we drill down on our natural resistance, ultimately it comes down to Jesus' invitation to practice Sabbath, and will we trust him? Will we believe that the life that Jesus meant us to live is actually better? Because I can tell you, you might enjoy this series, and praise God, people have enjoyed this series so far, and yet if we choose to continue to reject the Sabbath, do we truly believe Jesus has a life that's better? And so now I want to move us to that last movement, rest. Stop, rest, delight, and worship with our time together. One of those key thoughts about worship and Sabbath are tied to this verse that we read earlier. Exodus chapter 16, he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath. Holy, of course, is tied to um, religious concepts today and Uh, for good reason, but the core of what Sabbath means is set apart, a day with a purpose. In the Old Testament thinking about what uh, is holy, the Old Testament people around the people of God would have these different lower G gods, things that they would worship. And so they would declare different places holy. That God is God of Lebanon or whatever, and that place is holy. Or they would have different holy temples or holy places was the key. But look at what we see here in the Hebrew scriptures. They're redefining what holy is. Look at this. God makes not just a place holy, but look at this. God makes a time holy. The slide's coming. I don't have it memorized. God makes a time holy because there is not one single holy place to God. To make a place holy would make, mean other places were less holy. But in the thinking of the God of the Bible, there's no place that isn't with the fingerprints of God all over it. And when we just simply acknowledge and understand that, then this moment can be holy, and this moment can be holy, and that place, and that place, and that place can be holy. So what God does is he doesn't set apart a certain place. He sets apart a time, A time as an invitation for us, as I'm saying, recalibrate our hearts to him. This is what it means to step and tie Sabbath to worship. And there's a progression to it. If you begin to Sabbath, you'll notice that it requires us to actually stop. To then catch our soul's breath, if you will. (sighs) which maybe gives us the time and space to go slow enough to delight in in God and the good things that God has given us so that we can worship him. You see, this whole thing is just a fallacy without the last piece. Worship is the foundational bit of Sabbath. Sabbath because I I left us with a little tension last week if you were with us about delight. Because delight can be just diminished down to self-care, individualistic, unattached to God. A day of delight, just gonna have a spa day. (sighs) But it's bigger than that, it's better than that. And it ties us to the person of Jesus. If we're tempted, it might either, it take us to a self-care or it might just take us to the complete self-centered day of pleasure. But what allows us to be centered is a worship that's directed to God, directed. And so not only do these kind of work in tandem, but they also work more like a circle. That when we begin to stop we can rest, delight, and worship. And when we worship, he gives us the reminder of who he is so that we can again choose to trust him and stop and rest and do it again. It's a cyclical pattern that we're invited into. You see, one day of worship can help recalibrate our other six days. One day of worship helps us recalibrate the other six. This is why it's a a rhythm. For Exodus, it was the reminder that, you know what, we need to trust God and he will provide for us. And the same is true for us in the here and now. A recalibration because it it takes a constant reminder. When I eat my healthiest, do you know what I have? You know what I do on Sunday night? Meal plan. Meal plan and meal prep. Anyone with me? Seriously? (laughs) I know some of you out there. So if if I were to be honest, I do not do this very well, and I do not do this very regularly. But when I eat healthy, I have a meal plan, and I sit down on Sunday, and I make my yogurt parfaits, doink, 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 doink. And then I make my lunches, doink, 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 doink. And then my wife generally cares for the family on the suppers, doink, 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 doink. Okay? And so what happens if I have my meal plan is I've got my prepared food. This is what I eat. This is what I eat. This is what I eat. But if I don't have a meal plan, I might stumble into the office on a Tuesday early and forget lunch. And then someone, it'll take anybody to say, hey, does anyone want to go to Chipotle? And what do I do? I'm all in. And all of a sudden, I'm just going nuts. In the same way when it comes to our weekly rhythm with God what Sunday does or your Sabbath it recalibrates our hearts to him for a meal plan it's this is what I eat this is what I eat this is what I eat to Sabbath says this this is who I am this is who I am this is who I am it calibrates my heart to say this is who he is this is who he is this is who he is, this is, who he is. The human heart is prone to forget. The human heart needs to be reminded. The human heart needs to learn, to trust that the messages that we're receiving about what life is all about needs to be recalibrated to the heart of God that says, I love you, I have a plan for you, and it involves resting, and it involves grace, and it involves goodness, and it involves slowing down. It's all these things. Recalibrates us back to him. So as we land the plane on the series and the sermon, I want to just give a, a, a few practices today on what that might look like. And I'm building the, this picture of what worship is because so many of us are tied to worship based on singing or where we are. But worship is not tied to where we are or just singing. Worship is what we do. It's all of who we are. God invites us in Mark chapter 12 to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is one of two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus sums up everything to that. And so you can actually shift out the word love for worship because what you love with all your heart will ultimately lead to what you worship. And you will move in the direction of what you worship and what you love. It is a human thing. This isn't just a Christian thing or religious thing. This is why addiction turns us inside to our own selfish desires and it can destroy us because it turns to our ultimate love, which turns to our ultimate form of worship which destroys us. The question is not if you worship, the question is who or what you worship. Because your whole life, whether you worship God or not, is tied to your affection, your attention, the soul is all of who you are, every last bit of you, all the way. Strength is how you do it. There's not anyone on the planet with a pulse that doesn't have attention, affection, and is a person and is doing it a certain way. The question is, what has your attention and your affection? That's the question. Again, the question is not where you worship. The question is, what do you worship? And how do you orient your life? So on the practical side of things, when you think about spending time in worship pausing, what would it look like for you to, let's go back one, recalibrate your affection in such a way? Luckily for uh, the, uh, us having the internet, you can find any worship song through YouTube or Spotify or what have you. And you can actually take just a song even and I've shared this before. Sometimes I just put on one worship song and I just slow my breathing down and listen to those words, because those words have a way of getting into my soul and changing and remind me of what I truly love most. Affection. Affection is tied to what you celebrate. It's tied to where your gratitude goes. So what would it look like for you to have rhythms in your life that say, "I'm going to pay attention to my affection? Your mind, loving God with your mind is your attention. My wife is so convinced that if I'm not paying attention unless she has my eyes. Yes, hello. Yes, I got it. Yeah. Sam, are you listening? Yes. Let me see your eyes. Ladies, you think you can multitask? You can't either. (laughs) Stats tell us. Neuroscience says you can do one thing at a time. All right but it's a reminder when my wife is looking for my eyes, she's looking for my attention. God's asking for our attention to remind us who he is and who we truly are. So this is why it matters that we choose to spend some time together, that we gather together to remind ourselves we're not in it alone and put our attention back on God. And there's two topics I don't prefer to preach on, worship and money, because they both seem like it's self-gratifying or something. Like, great, give more money to the church. Can't wait to get paid. Or, great, I'm glad you're here. More is more, right? But truly, uh, the heart of worship is so much deeply impacted and tied to what we do together. All of ourselves, all the way. I've compiled just a few practices for you to consider on your Sabbath practice journey. First, this one's um, a teammate mentioned this one to me. I believe it was Gabby. Uh, We get it from John Mark Comer, I believe as well. Create a way of beginning Sabbath. Maybe there's a way for you to kind of announce that your family is stepping into this. (laughs) I totally failed on Friday. I'm like, welcome to the, we're doing like an evening to evening thing. We're trying it, tried it. Failed, but we tried. And I was like, welcome to the night of Sabbath. And my wife's like confused. She asked me the, the next day, well, what, did you, what were you doing? Like, I'm trying. Try with me. Fail with me. It's okay. Just keep taking steps forward. Create a way of beginning so that you're getting your heart into it. Consider picking a time and place to put your attention on God. Get a chair Get a time and say, I'm gonna just have this 15 minutes committed to God. There's so many resources at our disposal for reading scripture to learning scripture and praying. A true, really healthy practice. Get outside, walk, hike. Prioritize life-giving relationships. I'm talking life giving, not life sucking relationships. Enjoy a nap praise God. In the last service, I chose to put three different rhythms together for singles, family, and retired people. Well, f- You'll find them on, on our website if you're looking for a little bit more tangibles. Every single one of them had nap in it, and I said, praise God every single time. <laughs> Enjoy a hobby, delight in the Lord and his good world, and then create a way of ending your Sabbath because what you, can try, you can be tempted to get Sabbath-ish and just kind of start, and then it just kind of, pfft, like no one actually knows what you're doing as a family or whatever. So make some rituals or routines that would say, hey, we're starting this, and we're, we're doing our best to put God first and have a way of celebrating and completing that. And here's why, because of Jesus' invitation. This is a key text for the entire year as we close. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to Jesus, get away with him and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with him and work with him. Watch how he does it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything ill fitting or heavy on you. Keep company with him and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I don't know anyone who does not want that kind of life. Let's continue to practice the way of Jesus in the life that he has meant for us. Jesus, I thank you for these moments that we share. And God, I ask that our hearts would continue to be open to your leading. We ask that you continue to recalibrate our hearts, our attention, our affection, all of who we are, all the way, May we worship you. For all of us who have this tendency to resist it, help us understand why, so that you can do a work in our hearts to move towards you and walk with you. We pray this in the mighty name, the matchless name, the name above all names, Jesus. Amen.